Leadership is every single person within that chain of command down to the frontline contributor who's only managing themselves and their piece of the mission. They're a leader. And it's our responsibility to practice and implement those principles on a day-to-day basis. You're listening to the Blacktop Banter Podcast, the premier podcast in the asphalt industry made for contractors with contractors. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Blacktop Banter. Uh, Very excited about this one. If you have been following us along at all, you noticed that we were at Dirt World Summit late in 2023. And while there, I was able to uh, take in some speakers that were at that event. One of them uh, is our guest today. And right on the show floor, I'd seen an opportunity and shot for it. And I said, will you join me on Blacktop Banner to speak about this? And uh, the schedule worked out well. So today, I would love to introduce you to Jamie Cochran. Jamie is the Chief Operating Officer at Echelon Front and an instructor at Echelon Front as well, where she works with leaders at every level to improve performance through leadership consulting. She leverages her skills and experience in management, operations, leadership development, event planning, training, and branding and identity to train and develop their clients and lead Echelon Front's operations team. Her passion is leadership, which she has helped and has helped her also develop both her business acumen and lead her family at home as a mother of three. Jamie, I really, really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Barbara. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, when when we were at uh, Dirt World Summit and I was able to partake in being part of the crowd, um, I was really moved by your whole team, like everybody, whether it was Jocko, yourself, or JP, all the stories are unique. And I think they resonate really well with the diverse group that we had there. Um, I would love for you to let us in on your journey a little bit to get to this point. Um, I'm, I'm sure it had to take some personal development and growth and being tactful in some of these things as you became a leader in your own path. Yeah, I appreciate that. I love the origin story of Echelon Front. I've been here, I'm coming up on 10 years at Echelon Front with Leif and Jocko. The absolute honor of my lifetime getting to work with two leaders who truly act and apply the principles we teach at Echelon Front, which is a game changer. It's incredible to work for leaders like that. But getting here was a little bit of a different path. I I never would have envisioned myself being an instructor or teaching or giving keynote presentations, not ever a part of my plan. I went to school in LA. I went to school for marketing and communication. So I really was more into the marketing, branding, PR side of things. I ended up working right out of college at a hedge fund randomly, doing a variety of different things, but learning really small groups, so learning a lot. They were only there in that region that I was living in in San Diego for about a year. And so I transitioned into higher education. And that's where I really found my passion. I loved working on a college campus. I loved working with students, student leaders. There was just such an energy there. And my job there was really about programming and bringing programs and events and planning big events, small events, every Mm. event you can imagine on the college campus. So there was a lot of fun, but a big part of my role was also advising our case board, which was the cultural arts and and, um, special events board. So there was about 60 students and I got a real opportunity at that point not being that much older than some of these students that I was advising to really understand and practice leadership Mm. where I got to learn a lot of good lessons, things I did wrong, things that I think I did really well. And it was there that I thought I would end my career. I would finish my time. I would spend the next 25, 30, 40 years in higher education because I loved it so much. Mm. And uh, of course, my husband was in the military. So uh, our plans changed. He actually got out of the military and we moved to Boston. So I stopped that career and was open to what the next journey was going to be, what's the next step in this plan of mine, Uh, just kind of looking for something that would give me a little more autonomy than working on a college campus, 
despite the joys of working on a college campus, there's a lot of red tape. Mm. And so I wanted something that would give me a chance to build something. And Leif Babin, uh, he showed up for dinner one night in Boston. Uh, we were good friends. My husband served with Leif at SEAL Team One. Okay. And he started talking about this business that him and Jocko were building and, and their vision for it. And I sort of threw my hat in the ring that night and I sent him a resume. And I just said, hey, I don't know what kind of help you need. I don't even know if I'm what you're looking for, but I'm looking for my next mission and I've got some flexibility in what that looks like. And I'd love an opportunity to come be a part of what you're building. So that translated a couple months later into a part-time position where I was basically an admin assistant. And I just started looking for ways to provide value. And at that point I read the manuscript for extreme ownership and it changed my entire perspective on leadership. And I really just at that point wanted to be a part of what they were building. Um, And so I just started looking for ways to support and that has translated to 10 years of being (laughs) here at Echelon Front, helping to build a team and now getting to teach and instruct these same principles that I learned, that I've applied in my life and helping people see the impact that that I've had. Yeah, I I can't imagine the atmosphere. Like for, for me being an outsider and being able to connect with you guys some, and seeing um, the bar being the bar of n- normal being set so much higher within your guys' organization versus what I see a lot of other places makes me think about uh, a concept I spoke about with some of my friends uh, and peers uh, where we're kind of in a cylinder. And to us, it's normal for us to be high achieving and doing these things that we normally do. We're outside that it doesn't, you know, they're looking at us like, how are you guys, like, how are you guys like this? But I think that we seen that a lot when we were at Dirt World Summit, um, because you had, you guys had everybody's attention. And I think that most of the time when we attend conferences or events like that, there's one speaker from here, one speaker from here, one speaker from here. And I really immediately seen the value of Echelon Front doing the muster, all their team all one day, because it created this great culture, essentially, even just for that day. Um, one thing I want to I want to talk about. Uh, ironically, I wrote a post about opportunity today, and you saying, "Hey, we went to dinner that night," and I threw my hat in the ring. A lot of people wait for opportunity for somebody to come or opportunity to present itself all laid out, like, "Hey, this is it. I did this for you." And some people have the ability to observe when opportunity is there, even in the most subtle way. And I think that that's very important that. Uh, we highlight that about your journey that you were like open. You're like, I'm I'm waiting and looking for when I can make this thing happen versus, hey, it's going to look like this. Opportunity is going to look just like this. So um, when you were able to do that, you already had kind of some experience with leadership. Uh, and then you get surrounded by, and you had been surrounded by people that were working as a unit and uh, with some high level, level leadership things. Um, one thing I want to ask you about that part is like, was it like um, an influx? Even though you were already um, somebody who had developed leadership skills and had experience, being around people who uh, operated in that capacity, was it a huge influx surrounding yourself with more people at a higher level like that? Absolutely. So when I started Echelon Front, it was just me, Leif, and Jocko. So it was actually a really small team. We It was just the three of us. And I didn't actually see them regularly because we worked remote. And so I, you know, my exposure to them was a little different than it is now. I actually worked a lot more closely with Leif on a day-to-day. I didn't engage as much with Jocko. I would see him periodically, but I got to see from behind the scenes and, you know, they're definitely the kind of leaders that, especially Jocko, what, 
You've got to earn his trust, but once you've earned his trust, he'll do anything for you. I mean, the loyalty is so strong. Mm. Uh, but it took me a little bit of a little bit of time to earn that trust, just because I didn't work with him on a day to day. But what I realized is very early on, I got to read this manuscript, and so I got a, a really big influx to the point that you made of these leadership lessons. And I have a real, I had a really good opportunity to look at my experiences up to that point through this new lens of ownership. Mm. Because what what's unique about extreme ownership is that. Some of the principles, most of the principles, are things we already know about good leadership. We know we need to prioritize relationships and keep things simple and communicate effectively and delegate tasks. All those things are instinctual. We, we mm-hmm. learn those growing up. So it wasn't like Leif and Jocko gave us this brand new framework that we had never heard before. So these things were, a lot of that was things I knew to be true about leadership, things I had practiced and failed at many times in my career leading up to that point. But what they did give us was this new framework around all of this, this foundation of extreme ownership. And that was a game changer for me. That first chapter of extreme ownership, I remember reading and just being like that light bulb moment. And I hear a lot of people talk about that when they reference reading the book, that moment where I started looking at all of the decisions and choices and actions I had taken as a leader leading up to that point through this new lens of ownership. And I could see so clearly that the times that I was set on making an excuse or making this someone else's problem, those things went wrong. And that's when I made those mistakes and those leadership lessons that are so hard for us to learn. And the times where I stepped up and said, hey, this is my fault. I can contribute to a solution here. I can contribute to ensuring that this problem doesn't persist. Those are the times where I had successes, where I felt confident in my leadership capabilities. So there was an influx of information. Some of the information I already was familiar with, but the framework that Leif and Jocko gave us was so unique and really changed my perspective on leadership as a whole, not just in business, but as a mom to three kids at that point. Uh, It's been a game changer at home as well. Yeah, I think that that's something to highlight, right? Uh, My son, Eli, he's 12. He's a wrestler. And uh, he's been wrestling since I, I wasn't a wrestler. So I'm, I'm like out of the loop uh, for the most part. What I have learned, I've learned from him. Uh, but he's been wrestling since he was five. And he's learned so much. There's all types of moves. There's all type of defenses. But he hyperlocates on what he's really good at. And uh, even though he has a knowledge of all, he realized that if he could structure his framework and his skill set of what he's good at and developed, he can really be uh, – a great aspect to their overall team. And I think that that's kind of what we we talk about and, and what we think about, at least I do when I think about leadership. What am I good at as a leader? What can I improve on? And wh- how do I apply that cylindrically uh, to what I need to get done, what my goals are and what I need to get done? So I would love for you to highlight uh, a, a question that I wrote for you. Uh, what are the benefits that leaders who are in position can expect to see upon improving their knowledge and skill set in that area. Because I think that some people think this is this is all I can know. I'm, I got I started a business. I didn't expect to be a leader, but here I am in charge of people. The business grew, and I'm to this certain point, um, and I don't have time to learn this. I'm out trying to make things happen. I don't think they necessarily – there's an image, Jamie, I think, of people think, well, you either got it or you don't. And you and I both know that that's not true. 
Yeah, so first of all, I think the analogy you use of wrestling or jujitsu is is a great analogy when it comes to leadership. My kids also wrestle. My my oldest is in high school. He's wrestling as a freshman on the varsity team. He's getting his share uh, share of wins and, and massive losses. Yep. But it's a good lesson for him, right? Yep. But what I love about wrestling and jujitsu is it teaches a really good lesson around leadership as well. In that leadership, just like those sports, just like learning a language, learning a musical instrument, learning jujitsu, learning how to wrestle, they're skills. Mm. And what people sometimes make this wrong connection is that, hey, leadership is something you're born with. It's something you either have or you don't have. There's these qualities that make you a good leader and you have those you know, as a young child or you don't. Mm. And the reality is, and I've seen this over and over and over again with the people that we get to work with, is that that is not true. Leadership is absolutely, it's a skill. It's a, something that you can learn, that you can improve upon, that if you're constantly assessing yourself, you can get better at. And even the best leaders, even Jocko Willink, who I consider to be the black belt of leaders, has room for improvement and is constantly looking to make those improvements. So when leaders really immerse themselves in the lessons, applying the principles they're teaching, holding themselves accountable and taking ownership, when they step off that path or they, they do something that isn't quite aligned with those leadership principles, they can really see constant and continued improvement. Yeah. Also, the battlefield that we're working within is changing constantly, which is another great analogy with wrestling and jiu-jitsu. You never know what you're going to get on the That's other right. side of the map, this opponent that you're going up against. So our ability to be capable to assess ourselves and make improvements and make adjustments constantly as a leader is necessary. Whether you're a brand new leader just taking on a very small role in leadership or you've been in the game for many years and you're running a big companies, there's still room for improvement. I think mm -hmm. as long as people are focused on that and humble enough to recognize that, they can see constantly little adjustments that they can make to become a better leader. Yeah, yeah, I think you you talking about being humble and being aware are major keys. When when you guys gave your presentation, I was there for one moment and uh Jocko was talking about a, a situation and analyzing that situation and saying, "Hey, I need you to cover that door right there." Right? And then that guy would look back and be like, "Uh, you know, how do you want me to cover it? What side or whatever?" And I think that for us as leaders, um what, what I'm what I'm taking in, especially from your guys' presentation, is there there are people who you put in position and position them to be leaders in that area. And then we figure out how to work functionally and with flow as a unit um, with what people are good at, what they're not good at, where they need to improve, right? That, that battlefield's always changing. Once we go out and we uh, execute and come back and debrief, uh, we, we analyze, Hey, when, when I said that to you, I really need you to improve in this area so that, you know, when I say this, what side or whatever, like we, we got to get better at that. And I think that some people think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie, that at, at a business, at an organization or whatever, um, there's only one leader, like the leader. And that's not the case at all, right? Especially in business, we've seen it, right? There's sales team leaders, there's operations leaders, there's crew leaders, um, maintenance leaders. And I think that the the mindset that you guys have helped uh, develop, especially to people who attend or people who uh, hire Echelon Front, is the fact that, hey, there's a chain of command here. This is how we operate this. Uh, unless it gets to this level, we don't go to the top leader. Right, we go through this leader and go through that leader. So I I think the the next thing that, that I would like to lean into a little bit are what are some of the ways uh, our listeners here 
on the podcast um, can improve what they know about leadership. I mean, it, it, we, we, you and I were talking a little bit about, or I was, because I'm, I'm a talker, Jamie. Um, I was talking a little bit beforehand about how people will go to, I'm sure there's a lot of people who went to Dirt World. They heard what you guys said. They were very impressed. They went back home, got in their bubble, and nothing changed, right? Um, how to How do we get them to consistently apply what they learn or what they're taking in about improving leadership to their roles where they are with some action? I'm incredibly proud of the Blacktop Banner Edition seal coating unit produced in partnership with KM International and available in both 550 and 700 gallon versions. Custom built on the same frame as their bulletproof hot boxes, I work closely with KM to design what I believe is the best seal coating unit on the market, a unit designed by a contractor for contractors. Learn more about the unit and to see a walkthrough of the entire unit by visiting kminternational.com. If you're serious about efficiency and performance, listen up. The Craftco Supershot 125 is not just a melter, it's a strategic pavement maintenance advantage. Quick startups, fume-free, automatic agitator shutoff, a splash-proof lid, and pumping on demand, these features are essential for any serious asphalt maintenance contractor. So don't settle for mediocrity. Elevate your game with the Craftco Supershot line of melters by visiting craftco.com today. In my opinion, Dynapack CC900G Roller is the best roller on the market for driveway and small parking lot paving contractors. The seismic technology in these rollers is unbeatable for the smoothness and compaction they provide, and I choose the Dynapack CC900G over the little yellow roller that you're used to seeing every single time. But don't just take my word for it. Check them out in person at Pavex and World of Asphalt, or visit Dynapack.com to find a dealer near you. Hey, Blacktop Banner fans, this is Michael with Aquafault. Say goodbye to potholes and roadway damage without the need for large crews, heavy equipment, or toxic chemicals. Aquafault is the only permanent repair material for asphalt and concrete that uses water. An installation is simple. Just pour, add water, and tamp. It's that easy. An Aquafault repair can be open to traffic immediately and fully sealed within 24 hours. Plus, the product is backed by a three-year warranty and made in the USA. Visit Aquafault.com. That's A-Q-U-A-P-H-A-L-T.com to learn more. In the past year, Jobber has been our CRM of choice at Wiscode, and it's made our world exponentially better efficiency-wise. The request to quote and quote to invoice process is seamless and professional. The scheduling aspect keeps us on point and the team leaders moving throughout the day from project to project, while the timesheet feature tracks the team members' hours. For our small seal coating company, it has helped build the solid foundation we can scale from. Jobber is now a sponsor of Blacktop Banter and helps bring this show to you. With this partnership, Jobber is offering an exclusive savings to BB listeners of 20% off for six months. To take advantage of this, find the Jobber link in the show description and get to improving your process today. Hi, contractors. It's Kyla from Wiscoat. We use Stencil Plus for all of our pavement marking stencils, alphabet letters, numbers, directional arrows, handicap markings, you name it. We use it and we get it all from Stencil Plus. Right now, for a limited time, you can save 10% on your stencil order by using code BB10 during checkout at stencilplus.com or by calling 877 372 6055. 
Contractors, you need to make it easy for potential customers to reach you. Get a custom phone number from the 800 Pavement Network and plaster it on the side of your trucks and rigs, and I guarantee you'll see increases in leads and jobs booked. Get yours by calling 1-800-728-3636. World of Asphalt is the leading asphalt trade show and conference, and it will be taking place on March 25th through the 27th, 2024 in Nashville, Tennessee. From mainline to maintenance, the show will be your one-stop shop to see everything the asphalt industry has to offer. Registration is now open, and listeners can save 20% off registration with the code BB20 when they register on worldofasphalt.com. Absolutely nothing matters if you're not applying what you've learned. So there's a lot of different ways you can learn leadership tactics and strategies. A great way is reading. Books are pretty inexpensive. You can find books online. Obviously, I'm biased, but extreme ownership, dichotomy of leadership, leadership strategy and tactics, those are some of my best resources for leadership uh, training and learning. So you can read. There's online training platforms and services that you can partake in. There's a bunch of free stuff all over the internet where you can understand leadership. You can hear from leaders who have been successful, hear what works for them. Mm. Uh, be Keep an open mind. Sometimes what works for one person doesn't work for someone else. Uh, but, but accepting that and taking on as much information as you can about leadership is a great way to just expand your mind on what leadership mm. tools and strategies you have in your back pocket. Attending conferences, those types of things are great. What I would caveat that with is that none of that matters if you're not taking the principles that you're learning and you're applying them and then assessing your application of those principles. Leadership is legitimately everyday practice. So the earlier comment that you made about leadership and everyone being a leader, at Echelon Front, we define leaders as any human being who's interacting with human other human beings. Yeah. Leadership is not just a CEO at an organization who's leading hundreds of people. Leadership is every single person within that chain of command down to the frontline contributor who's only managing themselves and their piece of the mission, they're a leader. And the best organizations are the organizations that understand that and put their people in a position to be leaders, to step up, to solve problems, to make things happen. Mm. And us, if we're in those traditional leadership roles, if we have the ability to influence and impact the people around us, which is leadership, it's up to us and it's our responsibility to learn more about how to do that effectively, to practice and implement those principles on a day-to-day basis, not just in our business world, but at home with our families as well. And the more we practice, the more equipped we are to apply these principles effectively. And the last piece of that is that if I want to get better at being a leader, if I want to get better at practicing and applying principles that I'm trying to work on, the best way for me to do that is to ask and be open to feedback from others. We sometimes take critical feedback or negative feedback or even slightly negative feedback as like a dagger to the heart. We put up our defenses, we push away from it. But the way that I like to think about feedback is that this is a gift. And when I get a gift of information, a data point of how I'm doing or maybe what I'm not doing well, I wanna take that for what it is and I wanna use that as a way to improve and make adjustments. So Mm. it's a constant effort and if you wanna be a good leader, you have to seek opportunities to learn and you have to practice the things that you're learning and then take that feedback, that self-assessment and the feedback from others to make adjustments. Very good. Uh, I enjoy that. I enjoy that because it's going to be a segue into my next question. We got the tactical stuff out of the way, like all the topics that we wanted to hit and, and gain perspective, your perspective on out of the way. So now I want to kind of get into like the the application and understanding of 
what we learn as leaders and how we apply it in practice at our businesses or where we work or anything like that and translate that over to our lives, our lives outside of the workplace. Uh, you, you spoke a lot about practice and then was like, you don't just practice it at work. Like you can practice it at, at home or, um, you know, there's a lot of places you go outside of your, your workplace uh, where you can practice it. So what does that look like? Um, you know, especially I want to gain your perspective on this being a, a mother of three, uh, and you got boys, uh, from what you said that are right in that zone where my son is, where they can be a handful at times, but yet they're looking to the future a little bit, right. In high school, my daughter's in high school. And one of the first conversations I had with her was, Hey, what are you going to do after high school? Like, that's probably a good thing to start thinking about because you should be, uh, taking in some of the information on where you think you want to go now. So what does that look like at home for, for you personally, Jamie, when, um, when you speak about being a leader at home and um, applying what you learn as leadership overall uh, at, the, at your home? Yeah, I love this question. And listen, I think I know, I know that my role as a mother is my greatest leadership responsibility, my greatest leadership responsibility. It also provides me the greatest challenges because at home with our families, our ego is more involved, our emotions are more attached, and we have to be even more diligent to apply these principles that we talk about at Echelon Front at home with our families. And it feels a little counterintuitive. What I hate to see, and we see this all the time, is we work with businesses, we work with leaders, and we see them applying these principles of extreme ownership and the laws of combat effectively at work. And they're going to work and they're having this major success within their business world. And then what we hear in the breaks and the lunches and conversations or emails that I get is that where they're struggling is at home with their families. And mm. I think part of that is recognizing that these principles, these leadership principles we teach are even more important at home. This is your family. This is the ultimate team. So we might be able to do this well out in the world or out in our professional lives, but where it matters most is at home with our kids, with our spouse, mm. with our community members and our family. That's where it matters. So. We have to first and foremost recognize the importance of that, and then we have to take these principles and really work at it. And the only way we can do that is to set our ego and our emotions aside. Because when I look at my kids, they are a direct reflection of me. So when they're doing dumb stuff or things that frustrate me, what's really taking a hit is my own ego. And when I recognize, hey, this is my ego getting defensive, this is my ego getting angry, this is my ego flaring up and, and causing this friction, when I can set my ego aside, I can be more open-minded to allowing my children to influence me, mm. my children to be leaders. The best gift we can possibly give to our kids is teaching them how to take ownership, mm. teaching them, them this mindset of looking at a problem, looking at a challenge, and being able to take that deep breath and recognize where they can take ownership of that problem. And I get opportunities all the time, not just opportunities to model the behavior, which I think is the most important thing for me to show them what ownership looks like, meaning I'm regularly taking ownership with my kids. If I lose my cool or I get frustrated, I take ownership of that. I show them what that looks like. And the other way is by counseling them, leading them, coaching them to take ownership in their world. 
My son missed a Spanish assignment and I got an email about it. And when I talked to him about it, you know what a 13 year old boy is going to do? <laughs> they get defensive and they're like, yeah. but, 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 and all these excuses. And so I let him go through all those excuses. And then I start asking some earnest questions and I wasn't sarcastic and I wasn't being rude. I just was asking some earnest questions. And as I asked those earnest questions, what we got to the end of that was he didn't turn in the assignment. Yeah. Okay, great. Now that you recognize this is your fault, what can you do? Helping them make that transition from recognizing, hey, I can take ownership of this, to the ownership now of the solution. So we role played, we talked through that conversation. He went in, he showed up to his Spanish teacher, he had a conversation, he took full ownership. And I told him, don't be prepared, nothing may happen. You may not get to turn this in, that's okay too. And in, in what I see all the time, she was so impressed that a 13 year old boy who rarely happens walked in and said, this was my fault. I didn't do this thing. She let him turn it in for partial credit. Mm. And so showing them not only what ownership looks like, but the benefits of taking ownership. When my kids take ownership in our house for things that they do wrong, my I'm so much more lenient because I want to reward them for stepping up and taking ownership. And I want to see that when you take ownership, you actually do the action behind that to solve that problem. So I look at these principles at home as being so critical. And I'm focusing on taking ownership. I'm focusing on building a relationship with my kids. Even though that's established, we have to spend time and effort to maintain those and build those relationships. I'm gonna simplify as much as I can with my kids. I'm gonna detach from my emotions so that we as a family can prioritize the things we need to be focused on. And lastly, I'm going to implement what we call decentralized command. I'm going to allow them to lead, allow them to influence me, allow them to contribute and have a lot of control, as much control as I can possibly give them uh, within some parameters that I'm putting in place uh, based on you know their commitment to taking ownership. So be the example and show them what that looks like. And that's a gift that will last a lifetime. I, I think uh, you, you spoke a lot uh, about things that resonate well with me and more than likely if they're resonating with me, they're resonating with my, my asphalt industry peers that are listening. Um, there's, there's two things there. Uh, one is where you said, uh, what they do is a direct reflection of how we have led them essentially and, and, and their parent, right? Uh, I ran into this recently with my son, Eli, and, uh, he got emotional in a reaction to something that happened at school and was talking about what if he said this to his teacher, right? And, uh, I said, well, how, you know, what, how would that affect me? He's like, well, you know, it wouldn't, I'll take care of it. I'm like, yeah, but it would though, because they're going to think about how you're being raised and how, how, how your atmosphere is and who your leader is right at this. And I think that, uh, that what I think hopefully, um, dawned on him was the byproduct, right. Of, what his choices being in leading his life, right, uh, as a young man, um, what that impact would be. And the reflection was, uh, when we spoke a little bit further about why I make positive choices as his parent, uh, as his father, uh, and essentially as his leader, not necessarily for my own self, but because uh, I'm responsible for him as well. And because we are in this unit, him and I together, uh, he is also responsible somewhat for his actions showing how I, how, you know, how I am and how I'm reflected and whatnot. So I think that that is a great part of what you spoke about. The other thing is, and I think you can agree with me on this. Um, we, we 
have friends uh, that are our age, that are parents, and family members that are our age, our parents, but our bubble might look a lot different than theirs does. Uh, I'm I, I, because I know that my son takes ownership for what he does, and that um, I'm hopefully imparting on him some information and uh, leading by example. I sleep a little bit better, I think, than some of my friends who don't, right? Like, I, yeah, as a as somebody who cares for their children, um, you want to know that they're all right. And when they are able to do like your son did and take ownership, you it gives you hope and a peace that maybe you wouldn't have if you weren't creating that type of atmosphere. Am I correct to kind of touch on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the example that you gave of, hey, our kids are a product of what they see. My, my favorite example of this is when I'm asking my kids to regulate their emotions. Hey, I'm asking them to regulate their emotions, control their emotions. How can I do that if I'm losing my cool, if I'm raising my voice, if I'm yelling, if I'm getting uh, upset? I'm showing them that, hey, I don't know how to do that, but the expectation is that you do. Mm. So again, I think that when you set the example, and it can be so hard, trust me, I have a 15 year old now, I love him to death, but this kid knows better than my other two children how to press my buttons. And I feel like some days he just needs to press the button as I think it's like his goal, like can I get mom to fall off this ledge? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's days he wins, he totally wins. And then other days where I'm like, you're not gonna win today. I'm gonna be in control. I'm gonna show you what this looks like. And I know what you really need right now is my attention clearly mm. because you're, you're showing me that in the way that you're interacting. Yeah. And so every day that I win, every day that I show him what that looks like, I'm setting him up for success. And to yeah. your point, I feel so confident in my kids. I've got a 10 year old, 13 and 15, a girl and two boys. I feel so confident in their ability to step up and take ownership because I see it all the time. Right. And the benefit when I look around at some of their peers is that they feel more confident and capable. And that's what I want for my kids because my, my son's 15. I've got three, four years left with him till he's yeah. out in the world on his own. Yeah. And at that point, he's gonna have to make those decisions. So right now I'm trying to give him as much control as I possibly can. Yeah. And I see the adverse of that. I see friends or colleagues or people that are heavily engaged talking to teachers when things go wrong. I don't do that. I let my kids advocate for themselves. And yep. in rare occasions where maybe this is above what they need to be talking through, I'll get involved. But I am staying out of it as much as I can because the more that I engage, the more that I put myself into these situations, the less that I give them those opportunities to learn how to do this for themselves. So mm. I agree with you. I think when you've got friends around you and you, you're watching how they're interacting, the best thing I can do for even those friends is show them what that ownership piece looks like. Yeah. And I, and I feel really proud of my kids uh, because they show me what ownership looks like on a regular basis. And because I'm an instructor and I, and they know that they also hold me accountable too. And they'll be like, mom, that's not really <laughs> detachment. And I'm like, check. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. It's important. And I think it's, it's, we're, we're blessed to be able to have that as a practice field for, uh, what, because it's the most serious one, right? We, we think our business is the most serious one, but to be honest with you, your family and, and their future and, and uh, how the people that you are raising uh, develop and what they take in uh, is the most important. <laughs> one, one thing you were, you were kind of, that kind of hit my brain, right? Uh, I hear a phrase in uh, our, our industry, I guess I'll say, whether it's conferences or podcasts, or whatever, is that um, it's caught, not taught. But, I think 
this is my observation and, and I would love for you to chime in on it. I think it's both. I think it's taught and caught. Like if you walk the walk and talk the talk, to me, that's double as good. Like it's exponentially as good versus um, talking and not walking the walk is uh, destructive. And if you don't talk, but you just show that is productive. But if you can talk and walk and you get, you know, stuff gets taught and caught, I think that that's actually the sweet spot. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think the best example I have of this is Jocko Willink, who speaks for a living. He runs a podcast. I mean, this man is all over talking, talking, talking. But in our meetings behind the scenes, he's actually a man of very few words. When we have a meeting, he implements decentralized command to the utmost, where he will let everyone else come up with all the plans, all the decisions all day long. And then on that rare 1% occasion where we need his leadership, he will step in and provide that. Mm -hmm. But it is so rare that you see him do that. And the reason why he is able to maintain such a high level of loyalty for the people that work with him and a high level of respect is because at every single turn, he is doing the things he's telling other people to do. He's, he's walking and talking. And we see that behind the scenes. And I think that that's really unique for people in the public eye or public figures at that level. I don't know that it's as common that what you see out in the world is how they interact in their day to day. And we've seen so many examples where that comes out to be the truth, that mm. how they interact with their people or how they interact at home is not this personality that they're portraying on the screen. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, I've worked with Jocko for 10 years. And that's not the case. What you see out in the world is exactly how he operates, exactly how he runs our company. And it creates this level of loyalty and respect across our team that is like you've never seen before. So yes, you have to be an example. You have to teach it. But you also have to allow people to see the impact of what these principles can do for you. Wow. And Jock has done that. He has simply said, hey, here are the principles you need to implement as a leader to be successful. Yeah. And he's taught us those principles. And then he shows us the outcome. When I do these things, I can succeed. I can win. I can solve problems. I can do anything. Yeah. And I get to see that through him. And then I now personally get to see that in my own life as I do the things I know I'm supposed to be doing. I see the outcome. I see the impact it has on every aspect of my life. Mm. Yeah, I, I like that. And I think that uh, the, the, the message within that is really important because it brings everything you spoke about kind of together, right? Where, um, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that Jocko doesn't know it all. He's still trying to learn and figure it out as we go. We have ever-changing battlefields, whether that's business, whether that's the office workplace itself, uh, your unit, or whether that's at home with these kids who are growing up which is a first for me, right? I've, I've never dealt with growing teen, preteen kids, uh, not saying I ever want to ever again, but uh, it, it, it's my battlefield that I'm in and I have to figure out and function with. But uh, there's no real written out exact game plan. There's tactics and skills that we develop, right? That's part of what you spoke about that allow us to be more aware and have an understanding of changing things within this battlefield that um, hopefully for us produce the absolute best desired outcome that we've been able to come up with. And uh, for me, 
when when we talk about what you guys spoke about uh, at the event, or let's leadership in general, uh, that is, seems to be what you would want because we also talked about less stress, right? And being able to not necessarily predict it exactly, but for the large part. And because we're able to see and understand and there's a guidebook that we've developed in our mind of leadership and skills and where to apply what we've learned, there's a, there's like, it's not, it almost feels like a safety net. Like you're working with a safety net a little bit. And then you also aren't taking it so personally. You spoke about that as well, right? Um, You've done everything that you know to do by the examples given to you and what you've educated yourself on. You apply it. Um, If for some reason it doesn't work out the way that you had hoped it would, you react with what you've learned, what you've applied, what you put in the system to that, right? And, and to get it there. There's a piece that comes with that, I think, overall. So um, to round things about, you've done a great job, Jimmy, by the way. Like when I, when, I, when I process that, which is how I process everything is outwardly through speaking, uh, we're able to tie it all together, right? Into a, a uniform picture of the importance of leadership, why learning it is important while taking action with it is important and the benefits of it for your life. So um, I, I want to ask you one last question. Um, an overarching piece of advice, right? There are things that hinder people from taking action to improve their leadership skill set. Um, what would you say to those people? What's an overarching piece of advice of, hey, guys, we, we need to make this happen. Like y- your life is going to improve. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I think what you do, you do to help people and improve their lives. I do as well. The reason this podcast exists is for my industry, which has given me so much. I'd love to get back to them. Um, how can they, what's an overarching piece of advice to get them to improve their life through leadership? Stop making excuses. Mm. It's as simple as that. That's what ownership is. It's cultivating this mindset to look at any problem, any problem you're facing in business or life and recognize that leadership is the solution. And the only reason why we can't solve those problems, the only reason why we can't overcome those challenges is because we allow ourselves to make excuses. Mm. So cultivating this mindset of extreme ownership is about fighting against our natural tendencies, which is to make excuses, cast blame and point fingers, put up that defensive wall. And the second we tear that down, the second we actually step over that barrier that keeps us from taking ownership, we get to see a whole new view. Mm. When we start taking ownership of the things in our lives, we can see the solutions to solving those problems and overcoming any challenge that we're facing. That's through leadership and that's through this mindset of ownership. So mm. my, my best advice is stop making excuses. I love it. All right, Jamie, I, I, I can't get enough. So I'm gonna ha- I gotta round it out or we, we would be here all day. <laughs> um, where can people find you online and where can people find Echelon Front online? Yeah, echelonfront.com. We've got a lot of really great opportunities there if you want to learn more about what we do at Echelon Front. We do some things for individuals and teams, companies, everything you can imagine. Uh, You can also find us at extremeownership.com. That's our online learning platform. And me personally, I'm on Instagram. You can come check me out, Jamie Lynn Cochran. All right, Jamie. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. 
So uh, this podcast is available, as always, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, the content is getting to be fire, as you heard today. You can also check us out online at blacktopbanner.com. Uh, when you're there, please sign up for our newsletter, which is on the landing page that has content written by contractors in the industry for contractors in the industry. Also at Blacktop Banter in the drop-down tab is information on the Blacktop Banner Success Group, which is a group of contractors who to get together. It's a mastermind group where we talk about the things Jamie and I spoke about a little bit today, as well as other business tactics, equipment, materials, uh, all types of different things. Uh, we meet three times a month on Zoom. There's a 24-7 chat group there. There are exclusive vendor discounts from our industry, a Google Drive there with all types of information and assets for uh, the members, as well as national account work, which is great. We have an opportunity, if you're in Blacktop Banner Success Group, to get national account work from some of the national contractors that would hire contractors like us. Also, while you're on the internet perusing around, please check out missionimpact.com. Mission Impact is a nonprofit that provides fuel-efficient stoves, clean water, and customized wheelchairs for people who can't quite access those things regularly in Guatemala. Uh, I would love for you to take a look at it if you feel the need to give or want to give. Um, please do through missionimpact.com. And that's it. You can find Blacktop Banner, as always, on social media, at Blacktop Banter everywhere. Um, please feel free to check out our pages there and look for our content that will be coming out soon with Jamie, who joined us today from Echelon Front. Jamie, thank you so much for joining and giving your perspective on this. Uh, it's been a blessing, to be honest with you. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Here at Blacktop Banter, as always, we speak asphalt. Peace. Hey, everybody. Marvin here from Blacktop Banter. And if you enjoy the podcast and what we've been bringing to the industry, you can support us through a one-time or recurring donation at blacktopbanter.com. There we have a support tab. You click that and choose your path from there. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and leave a review there for us as well. As always, we speak asphalt, and thanks for your support. This episode of Blacktop Banter is brought to you by Crafto, the world's leading manufacturer of packaged pavement preservation materials and equipment for the asphalt industry. Learn more at Crafto.com.